Welcome to the Vaccination Station. My name is Dave, and today I'm interviewing Jeff Holiday. Hi, Jeff. Nice to have you. Hello. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's start by getting to know you. Tell me three things about yourself that you think the audience would find interesting. <laughs> um, my first love was cooking that I discovered uh, right after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, no less. Um, I am a father of one and happily married for almost 10 years now. And uh, I'm trying to learn the banjo, but I'm still very terrible at it. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a father of two and I've been married for, oh, wow. Is it going to be 13 years, 14 years this year? Ooh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I can relate to the whole, the whole parenting thing. Uh, what then is your educational background? Um, so I, I have an associate's in biology. I was transferring over to, uh, I, was, I was going first for my bachelor's in human biology, specifically with a uh, focus on either neuroscience or genetics. Um, this is also about the time that like my mother uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So I started kind of drifting towards like, you know, uh, researching brain structures and, and, and that kind of uh, treatment. Um, unfortunately, I never got a chance to finish uh, because I had to take care of my kiddo uh, through extenuating circumstances. And in the extra time that I had on my hands, I ended up making a YouTube channel. And that's kind of how this whole business started. So what's the main focus of your channel? Well, uh, I'm glad that it's much more focused now. <clears throat> I definitely uh, went through a period of time where it was very not focused. Um, but it started, and it now still remains, predominantly to uh, debunk harmful pseudoscience, uh, to promote pro-science literacy, um, very specifically to combat anti-vaxxers as much as possible. And, uh, you know, we, we, we do like our little monthly wingnut roundup show where we just watch the craziest, weirdest, you know, maybe culty, maybe kind of like out there starseed weird stuff kind of, you know, we just have fun. Um, but the main focus is ultimately to, uh, to try and put forth, I guess, I, I guess it would be like counter information. I don't want to say counter propaganda because what I'm saying is true. Um, but it's to, to confront and to aggressively push back against things um, that are very intentionally crafted and done to lead people astray or to like harmful conclusions. That's a good point to raise because a lot of people say, well, why does it matter to you what other people believe? You know, it's, it's no business of yours. It's, it's their own business. And if people too are happy to believe that drinking lemon water boosts their immune system or, or rubbing crystals on their nose improves their general health, then who are you to criticize? But of course, sure. it, it never really stops there, does it? Because no. people monetize this stuff. And then you end up with people getting sucked into it. And a lot of times uh, people end up being victimized. 
That's a, well, yeah. There's and there's um there's a there's a multi-tier level of nefariousness when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> the usual one that I try and explain to people is, okay, well, sure, you know, if you're you're a, a grown adult, you can make whatever harmful decisions that you want. Um, you know, if you choose to squirt bleach up your rectum, like you know, well, that's you 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 have your own agency. You can do whatever you want. But the easy answer is to say, well, what about those people that maybe they want to do it to their kids? Maybe they might do it to somebody who is infirm, who has a developmental delay, um, somebody who can't make that kind of distinction and educated or uneducated, uh, you know, conclusion. That's, that's the easy answer you can tell anybody, which is why maybe you should get involved. But the more complicated answer is actually very important too, maybe even more important. Ideas like these, they have a certain type of spread because of the psychology behind them. So when you uh, don't counter, when you don't call out things that are obviously uh, harmful or silly or ridiculous in some ways, uh, these ideas propagate naturally. Uh, it's kind of like, if we, think of, if we think of like the mimetic nature of how our society interacts and uh, interacts with itself, you can think of it almost like an immune system in a body. Uh, and you need to have things that are counteracting things that are inherently harmful and dangerous. Because the, the, what is it? Like putting crystals up your butt is a stepladder to anti-vax or something, you know? Or, you know, one day, one day you think like, I can, I can, uh, I can cure whatever by, uh, by taking homeopathy. And the next day, you know, you wake up and you think the, earth's, the earth is flat, you know? I mean, you can say that's dangerous ideas, but I disagree. You know, that's the whole nature of discourse is to weed out those things that are wrong. So what happens then when it's not just two or three people doing this, but whole communities doing this, and then those communities being led by people who are profiting from them, and then trying to encourage other people to join and to impose those ideas and practices on people with less agency, say underage children, for example, with, you know, the best of intentions convinced that this is the right thing to do. How do we address that? Well, um, it, it's, it's not easy. Uh, a lot of times these people will have significant financial backing. A lot of times they don't, but they have something even more potent at their disposal. And that is uh, this, this exotic allure of the conspiracy or the uh, alternative cure or whatever. Um, I think we need to destigmatize some of the ways in which we talk about this. Uh, we, have, we have known for many years that a pyramid scheme is bad. We've known for many years that an MLM is basically a pyramid scheme. We need to understand that the propagation of harmful and dangerous pseudoscience really can be very similar to that. The only difference is, you know, the MLM will take all your damn money and your time, but the pseudoscientist could be taking not just your money and your time, but also your health, uh, putting people at risk. So a lot of it is just being very vocal about it, um, putting forth uh, good practices, uh, good ethical um, challenges to their authority and also and this is this is so critical this is so critical when you're talking to somebody uh who is invested in pseudoscience is you have to understand that the person who's not the talking head maybe just a person that's the fervent crusader that person is a victim they they 
they may seem like the evil villain, but there's a very good chance that if they're not actually profiting off this in any way, they're more of a victim. And they have been sucked into this, you know. They have been groomed to then get more victims in. And we, we need to be we need to be pretty aware that we uh we have to we have to take we have to I don't say kid gloves, but like we need to address when we when we address like the root causes of these things, we need to identify who is propagating the the ideas and they profit off of it and they reap the benefits, the societal power or whatever, and those are the people that we have to deconstruct, we have to destroy. So that's a good point then about the the way this kind of mentality sort of snowballs and becomes its own little echo chamber to the extent that people aren't confident looking outside it because they've become convinced that all the answers they will ever need can be found within their community and other people must be lying to them because they have some nefarious motivation to do so. So, of course, you become convinced that, you know, the truth can only be found within my community. And, of course, that's, right. that's the classic sign of a cult. The first thing they do is tell you that everyone else is lying to you. Mm-hmm. How can we get through that, particularly with the paranoia around science and medicine and, and big pharma? What's a good way to, you know, what's a good entry point or a place of common ground that we can use to approach people who've been sucked into this mentality and convince mm. them, look, um, as dodgy as big pharma can be and has been and probably will continue sure. to be, there is no denying when you look at the timeline of human history that the more science and technology and medicine has developed and advanced, the better life has been for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how do you do that? That's a, I mean, that's, that's kind of the age old question. It depends on who you're talking to. Obviously, if you know the person more, more, uh, intimately that can either make it easier or it can even make it harder depending on, you know, uh, your relationship with them. The things that I have found that tend to, to do pretty good at helping people out of this, uh, one, you're going to have to have a lot of patience whole lot of patience but also you have to point out various flaws in the argument some of my favorite some of my favorite is because very commonly somebody who's going to be hardcore into something really wing nutty they they think of themselves as a skeptic they think of themselves as an as intelligent they feel like they are uncovering something and they have a lot to risk if they have to change their mind because then they have to feel like an idiot they have to allow themselves to feel misled and feel like a dummy Again, that's why we have to keep in mind that these people are victims. So you have to treat them with respect that like, hey, you know, you're not an idiot. Like this person manipulated you. That's a good way to approach it. But also poke holes in the, in the logic. Is it more like that this person that you don't know on the internet who is telling you these things is lying to you to make money or to get your attention or, or your devotion? Or is there a massive multinational global conspiracy involving hundreds of thousands of people spanning over 200 years, all to paint a a fake notion of science, which is more likely? Really, the key, I I think, is is empathy. Um, And that's that's a very big key tool that you have to use. 
I like the way you put that because, of course, if we're going to reach people, the last thing we want to do is start by saying, now, of course, what you need to understand is that you're a complete idiot or, or you're completely ignorant or you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm right. here to set you straight. Obviously, and particularly with the most vulnerable cases, we need to be sensitive to their situation, sure. to the circumstances that led them to the place that they're in, the vulnerabilities that might, they might still have, and sure. the desperation that could have led them to make some of these more rash decisions, particularly, say, for example, people who become the, the victims of um, cancer cure cults and, and this kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. That's one of the worst ones. I, just to, one more thing to add on to it, though, and this is, this is actually really important, too. And I disagree with a lot of people on this one. Some people, I have a very particular style about my, you know, uh, is when you are talking about the people who are leading people astray, when you are talking about people who are monetizing and making money off this, I... Uh, absolutely this is my tactic i'm not saying everybody should do this but this is absolutely what i do i absolutely shame them i absolutely drag them screaming into the light and show exactly this is how they mislead you this is why you shouldn't you shouldn't trust them i will call them terrible names i will shame them i'll destroy them in front of people as much as possible because that's important with the pseudoscience is almost invariably structured the same way that a cult is almost always almost always. And that relies on a certain amount of hero worship and, and putting somebody up on a pedestal and looking up to them. I mean, even, like, even Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, you know, oh, she's just so woke. She's so into it. She's so crunchy or whatever. Uh, and, and there, there's nothing, no reason to believe that she understands your health better than you. And the people she gets onto her, her website uh, are usually grifters and they're usually selling a bunch of crap that otherwise they're financially invested in. Call them out call them stupid names, you know, drag them into the light. They're cockroaches. It's awful. I, 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 I really encourage that in people as much as I can. I think it's a good thing. I saw an example of that when you went to fight against uh, the Jilly Juice cult. Now, oh, yeah. for the benefit of the audience who may not be familiar with that episode, can you just give a brief summary of who Jilly is, what her juice is about, and how you commenced your own little campaign uh, against her and, and how that worked out in the end. Um, so Jillian Epperly is a, is, a, is a very strange woman um, who has been hardcore in conspiracy stuff for a long time. She has convinced herself and others that if you drink uh, fermented cabbage juice, cabbage or kale, with enough salt in it that it's almost salt water and you binge drink this to the point of having what they call waterfalls which is violent explosive diarrhea it will regrow limbs it'll regrow organs it'll cure cancer cure aids cure aging and cure homosexuality which i but i think she i think she withdrew the homosexuality one but she does think it'll let you live like 400 years and i I basically, I, I took the only direction I really thought that I could, and that was humor. Uh, so I made, and Game of Thrones is really, really big at the time. Uh, and the name of Game of Thrones books are like a song of ice and fire. So I called it a song of salt and poo and had a lot of fun with it. Uh, she and I both ended up on Dr. Phil. But uh, one of the things that I really have to say, though, is, is the, the effort to combat Jilly Juice 
was a, a collaborative effort by lots of people over a long spanning period of time. And that that's one of the really cool parts about like skeptic pseudoscience fighting debunking parts of the internet is people really are good at documenting things, collaborating with each other and sharing things back and forth. And it's, it's one of the best parts about this side of the internet. So it helped a lot. So what happened with Jilly in the end? Did she lose a bit of market share? Did she lose some followers? Did she, is she still staggering along? Uh, did she ever face any legal repercussions for what she's doing? Cause I was pretty sure that somebody actually died while f- trying to follow her protocol. Is that correct? Um, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's hard to pin down. Um, there was a, a man on hospice who tried the jelly juice, uh, desperately hoping that it would save his life. It did not. And he died in agony. I, I, I'm very comfortable saying that his death was exacerbated into the into the point of agony because of what he was convinced to do. Um, and so is his daughter, who I was in contact with and uh, is one of the reasons why I got so passionate about the project. There was another woman who I don't usually talk about too much, but she uh, never had a history of seizures. Never. had Never had a history of seizure ever in her life. And she was doing the Julie Juice Protocol. She had a seizure while in the bathtub and she drowned. Seizures are a symptom of hypernatremia. So that's, it is possible, but, you know, nothing legally got pursued because of that. Um, She did get a little bit in trouble with, I think it was the Attorney General of Ohio. And she had to change the wording on how she was trying to sell things. But for the most part, Jillian's now irrelevant uh her her group is very very small on facebook because her original her original group got taken down um she wrote a new book that's even more incoherent than the last two uh, and i think the most attention she gets is honestly from me <laughs> that's about it i i i pretty thoroughly destroyed that woman that's pretty reassuring um con- considering the craziness that was uh, going on there because yeah. i watched i don't know i think at least half a dozen of her episodes and and I were I watched a lot of your material on her and I was my brain was just melting trying to follow what was going on here. It was just extraordinary. I've seen some pretty wacky stuff in my time, but what I want to try and get to the bottom of is how people can be convinced that this kind of thing actually works. Because of course with your background in biology, you're aware that when a, a protocol or, or a, a medical procedure is followed or a drug is taken, the whole concept is, is predic- of its efficacy is predicated on the notion that there is a mechanism at work here. There is a certain mechanism by which the drug addresses the problem and either helps it to resolve it or at least ameliorates it until you can get the correct medical treatment that you need. There is a mechanism. There is a way that, that it, and then it can be shown that the drug is actually working, Mm. whether it's anti-inflammatories or painkillers or whatever, there is an identifiable reproducible mechanism so that we can say this causes this to happen and that's why we do this, because no matter how many times you do this, it'll always cause this to happen, which makes this drug reliable. 
and right. testing exper and experimentation proves this. How do people convince themselves that drinking heavily salted fermented cabbage juice can cure all manner of ailments in the absence of any explained mechanism? It's clear that they're not interested in, in this, this kind of thinking. This, the, the logical processes just aren't there. Do you, can you provide any insight into the way oh, that yeah. people convince themselves of this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Jilly juice is really unique uh, in regard in this regard. It's different from most pseudoscience stuff that I've seen because you know, in some alternative treatments, you know, there'll be some sort of physiological effect. Um, you know, it, there's some, uh, but very often there's none. Very often people will be convinced of doing something, and aside from just like the actual effect of what they're doing. Uh, they don't see any cause and effect uh, physiological response. With chili juice, there absolutely is. Oh, there absolutely is. And it's one of the reasons why I found it so fascinating of a topic. It's because the, of the waterfalls. It's because of the explosive diarrhea. That's why. That's entirely why. Because they're going into this with the idea that there's something wrong with them. Maybe... Uh, there are parasites. Maybe there are some sort of inflammation or dysfunction inside of them uh, or whatever mishmash babble Jillian tries to describe it as. Cause, and then they go and they have these waterfalls and they have explosive diarrhea. And then afterwards, they feel great. Really great. They're probably also losing weight, too. They probably feel awesome. And I don't know if uh, if these days the Jilly Juice protocol has the same kind of diet that the original one did, but the original one's diet really wasn't that bad. It's actually kind of a pretty good diet, better than most American diets. I'll put I'll put it that way. So you know you're you're eating reasonably okay, and then you're you're pooping your brains out and you're feeling pretty good. So that's why it's uh, people were 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 getting addicted to diarrhea. That's a good point, actually, that people can see something happening. So in, in their minds, they're seeing an effect. They're not thinking about mechanism. They're just thinking about cause and effect without the continuity in right. between. And, and that's why when I, I talk to anti-vaxxers and they say, oh, well, you know, vaccines cause autism or vaccines cause this and that, the other. One question I always ask is, what's the mechanism? Explain to me the mechanism by which you think this, this particular vaccine causes autism or heavy metal toxicity mm -hmm. or Alzheimer's disease or ADHD or anything else that you want to pin on. What is the mechanism? And invariably, they cannot. And it's only very rare that they'll make some kind of attempt. Uh, you will occasionally get some who will say, okay, well, it's, it's the effect of this particular ingredient or this adjuvant. Uh, okay, what, what, what is it then? Oh, it's the aluminium. The aluminium causes this. Okay, so what is the mechanism by which the aluminium causes this? And, and then it, that's where it all just starts to spiral out of control. They have no idea what they're talking about. All they've learned to do is, is parrot talking points. They don't actually have any understanding of the science behind it. Now, I don't have a science background. I don't have a medical background. I have no qualifications or education in, in either field. But even I, with my high school science knowledge, can understand enough to know why those arguments are fallacious. Sure. And I know the questions to ask 
to find out whether or not an argument or, or a claim has any kind of validity. And it doesn't take much knowledge to mm. do that. It's the kind of thing you learn about in high school chemistry or, or biology. It, it, you know, it doesn't require any kind of special education. I think, but it does require a, a bit of logic and some critical thinking. It does. It does. I think that's also really important too, is that you don't have to have a, you don't have to have a degree to be able to be rational, to be educated on this. You can, you can spend your days uh, researching this stuff. You can read your own books. You can, you know, improve your mind and have a very, very good grasp of all of these concepts. Anybody can do it if that's what they want to do. Um, the, the, main, the main difference I always put out there is like speaking on authority. If I need somebody to speak on authority, I'm not going to just try and say, well, I think I got it. I'll, I'll, a lot of times when I'm making a video, if I need somebody to speak as an authority, I'll ask like, I'll ask a doctor, I'll ask a virologist, I'll ask, you know, whoever, um, if I can't find the answers myself. But it, you, you brought up an excellent point. That's another very good tactic when you're trying to, to talk with somebody. You know, what is it? about vaccines. Thimerosal. Well, what about the vaccines that don't use thimerosal? Because we barely use thimerosal at all, in, at, at all anymore, except in only certain flu vaccines. Oh, well, then it's the, it's the aluminum, aluminum. Uh, okay, well, how? You know, what, what makes it do that? Why is it uh, that, you know, aluminum from a vaccine is uh, going to affect you more than aluminum you would get from eating, say, ocean fish? blood-brain barrier. Okay, do you understand how the blood-brain barrier works? I could explain it to you, because I do know. And then they get real mad. Um, but, you know, like these, you, you, you break it down. You break it down uh, to, you know, this, this is how these things work, and we know how they work. And we can show you how they work, and we can, we can like, describe these things very accurately. Um, so then why are you listening to that guy? He's not breaking it down. He's just telling you to be afraid. One very common form of pseudoscience and, and fake medicine that crops up again and again, possibly because it's, it's very easy to, to fabricate, is the idea that we need to somehow cleanse or, or purge our bodies of <clears throat> parasites or, or excess things which have built up in our bodies or toxins or whatever. So whether it's chelation therapy for supposed heavy metal toxicity or uh, flushing out our intestines to get rid of any stuff that's built up in there. This is a very common and popular trope in pseudoscience and fake medicine. This idea that we need to, to clean ourselves inside. Uh, and it also, of course, begs the question, well, do people think our bodies aren't doing that automatically? And, of course, they, they don't believe that they are. But they, right. they don't understand what kidneys and livers do which is why they think, you know, that detoxing is necessary. And of course they throw in all the, the buzzwords that they, they typically don't really understand. They talk about inflammation and bloating and sluggishness and all these kind of things, stuff that, that can be quite vague when you, when you start to expand the, the definition as they often do within, within the context of these discussions. Why do you think that there's this, weird emphasis on purging or cleansing the the body from within why why do you think it's that rather than something else because it seems I, to be a very persistent idea 
I think there's a lot of I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons behind it. Um, I the the really quick knee jerk answer that I would have for it is uh, everybody feels like crap. Everybody feels like crap, and they want to feel better. They want to feel good. I I recommend wine personally, but you know, the other one is when we're talking about health, uh, especially with the the target demographics for these types of of things, which is actually about my age range, but usually women, not usually men. They're very specifically targeted towards women. They target people based upon how our culture treats. Uh, treats all of us, you know, as we begin to age, we start to feel the, the, the weight of the world on us. We start to kind of feel a bit more sluggish, a little bit more weighed down. We don't feel as good as we remember feeling. Um, we want an easy answer to try and, and bounce back from that. Maybe it's just been a little while and you put on a little weight. You probably still look gorgeous, but you don't feel that way and you don't see it. Well, what's an easy way? Maybe I just have been eating too much crap and I want to get like a fresh restart. Okay, I'll go drink this detox tea. Um, or maybe there's a lot of times where it's like, like the parasites one. Parasites one is a really interesting one because people will see these bad health effects and they don't want to feel necessarily like maybe, maybe they did that. Maybe they ate too much crap <laughs> after a while. And, and maybe, maybe it wasn't those things. Maybe it wasn't because, yeah, I could have taken that walk yesterday or every day before that. Maybe it's because I've got worms, you know. Uh, it, it preys on our insecurities and it preys on our desire for a very quick and easy way to address those insecurities. Um, and that's why I think, because it's an easy way to promise and it doesn't really have to provide anything, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've come across some grifter who's telling you how to detox your body. And then somebody's like, well, it didn't work. And they're like, well, you didn't do it right. But I followed all the directions. Obviously you didn't. Yeah, that's a very easy out for the grifters because they can say, well, you know, the problem is not with me or, or what I told you to do. The problem is with you and the way you did it or didn't do it properly. Yeah. So, uh, and again, that's just applied across the board to all kinds of, of woo from A to Z. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm still fascinated by this idea of cleansing from from inside because it's it seems to have almost a well it's clearly got a psychological dimension but for many people it seems to have a spiritual dimension as well and this leads me on to Gwyneth Paltrow and her her goop nonsense because that seems to be tied in with her her shtick she seems to be pitching not just a, a lifestyle but a sort of a mentality and maybe I don't know. I'm 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 getting the impression that part of it is to offer people a patch or some kind of plug to fill a gap in in their lives, which are otherwise largely focused on the here and now and and the the pleasures of of capitalism and the rest of it. And maybe they think there's something missing. And this extra dimension of pseudo spirituality and pseudo psychology that she offers helps to reassure them that this is also what they're getting from her products and her, right. her lifestyle that she's recommending. And that this, this is actually acting as a panacea as well. Um, uh, do you think that's a reasonable analysis? I think it is. I, I think that the pseudo spiritual aspect to a lot of these things 
It relies on a type of component that, that also kind of plays into a part of, of other types of, uh, of pseudoscience. And that's like, it's not just spiritual, but it's also hidden. Um, it, like there, there is something that we have lost. There is something that we maybe in like primordial times were more tapped into, or maybe we weren't. Maybe it's like behind the curtain and like there is this unknown way in which our bodies can be pure, you know, or our souls can also be pure. Um, I, I feel like it really is very, very similar that there's a type of, of entrancing exotic allure to a lot of these things that play very much into the notions of bodily purity um, into like, you know, I don't know, a hidden... I mean, well, like, okay, here's a really good example. Here's a very good example um, that I think maybe even a lot of this stuff stems from historically, traditional Chinese medicine. I absolutely think so. Traditional Chinese medicine, uh, its own rhetoric has notions of purity in it. It is very commonly pushed as, as alternative cures, as this, that, and the other thing. And the, the best part about traditional Chinese medicine is there's nothing actually traditional about it. It was very, very specifically designed by politicians during a cultural revolution in China uh, and forced upon people who otherwise were actually trying to use Western medicine, you know. Uh, and that, too, was, was all in the pursuit of trying to get back to a sense of purity. So with Gwyneth Paltrow, I think the... The best way I can describe what she does is that she sells fake solutions to people who don't actually have problems. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at the prices on her products, they are astronomical. She is not targeting the average person. She is selling <laughs> lifestyle luxuries to people with the, with the money, the disposable income to fritter away on, on these things. These are luxuries for them. These are, their lifestyle has become a hobby and their pseudo medicine has become a part of that lifestyle. And in that respect has become a part of the hobby as well. There's nothing actually wrong with these people, but they like to think that they, either there is something wrong with them that a jade egg can cure or, or help, or that even if they don't think there's something wrong with them, they just like the idea that there are, participating in something special something that has a certain as you say like a is associated with a form of hidden knowledge or something that imbues their personal life with something that it didn't have before and i find that really fascinating yeah me too i I <laughs> when you, when you start when you start to say an an item from the store for a minute there I was like oh I hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't say the thirty five hundred dollar gold Meridolade uh which yes I you know and if you can afford that you have a lot less problems than I do okay but yeah no there there I yeah it's okay this this allure of a of a hidden type of knowledge is so incredibly hypnotic you know. And, and people will change their whole lives around it. They absolutely will. Everybody wants to feel special. Uh, everybody wants to feel uh, that, they, that they represent something unique in the universe. Uh, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with like daily life. It's not always easy to see something special about yourself 
or that you never really had an opportunity to exercise your brilliance. Because I think everybody's capable of brilliance, but maybe you just never really got a chance. Had to go to work at an early age and never really got a chance to embrace the arts or something that you really love or something that you're good at. And very commonly, people just don't have time. Well, what's more alluring than the idea of having this deep secret hidden knowledge um, that it takes no time at all? No time at all. Uh, and, you know, it, and that's, that's part of the thing with, well, we can get to that in a second. But that, that's, that's one of the main aspects of how people fall into cults is that, you know, there's this big unspoken secret. There's this big hidden, hidden uh, whatever out there in the world. Very commonly, I think, psychologically speaking, people who fall for that or fall for these types of miracle cures aren't necessarily even falling for it because they are in love with this, this object or this effect or this whatever, you know, this messiah or this cure, uh, this golden marital aid. Uh, that's not what they're, they're attracted to. What they're attracted to is the knowledge that they know about it and everybody walking around them does not. Uh, it's uh, you could even call it like, like the matrix allure, you know, like you see how things are, you've been red pilled. I hate that phrase now these days. It's awful, but you know what I mean? And that, that also kind of like, it, it kind of leads into how paranoia and conspiracy theories work as well. It's the same thing. It's the same psychological response. It's the same thing with like how anti-vaxxers operate as well. I think a lot of times anti-vaxxers will, will tell themselves that they're, you know, into this because they're trying to save the children, but a lot of times they're into it for a very selfish desire to be special. Yeah, it's often struck me just how common this thread of self-centeredness actually is. Right mm. across conspiracy theories, pseudoscience, fake medicine, anti-vax, almost invariably it comes down to the individual and how they feel about themselves and that is actually what's driving them most of the time it's it's not even about whether or not they genuinely think that withholding vaccines from their child makes them healthier it's about the way that makes them feel whether it gives them a sense of of power or privileged knowledge or enlightenment it's certainly something that is a very powerful motivating force. And because it hasn't been arrived at by a rational process, it's very difficult to use a rational process to get them out of that because what they're looking for is not rational processes, but feelings. And that's the mm -hmm. tricky part. Science and medicine, they're not particularly interesting or, or sexy or, or emotionally exciting for the average person on the street. They don't make you feel good in the way that a conspiracy theory does or a private club does, or the idea that you've got secret knowledge does because they're not about you. They're about dry facts and objective realities that have nothing to do with you. But when it's something different, when it's something that focuses on you or allows you to become uh, the focus um, and, and sort of in, increases your, your own importance in your own eyes or, or in the eyes of other people, that is very alluring. Mm -hmm. It is very alluring. The... And, uh, you know, there, there's, there is also the, 
there's a few other psychological factors that plays into it. The one that's the closest to it that I've noticed, and it's, it's also very, very similar to cults, is uh, this idea, this concept of belonging. You know, uh, we, we are a brotherhood or a sisterhood or a family or an alliance or a action group or whatever, um, because we're, we're bound by this thing that is so, so deeply personal to us, but also about this other thing. Um, the, one of the most nefarious ones is mothers, moms. And look, no shame to any of the ladies out there. You guys represent some of the most powerful, powerful social leverage groups on the entire internet. You guys have so much power, so much. That power can also be used for really bad things. And the, the passion that that kind of, those kinds of groups can bring to the table can also do immense damage when those are like anti-vaxxer moms, you know? Uh, also, coincidentally, some of the best people I've ever seen take down anti-vaxxers have been some pretty smart moms. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, that's how they're, they're bound by the, the, the bonds of being mothers and caring for another person. And uh, that's a very, very solid way that these groups can congeal together and share strength. Um, but the last one that I think that is also really important to point out, and it's, it gets into like part of the, the, the victim aspect of it. A lot of people who see this hidden danger, they might react to it as strong as they do out of a, a legitimate feeling of defense. Maybe they're trying to defend the children. Maybe they're trying to defend their families. Maybe they're just trying to defend themselves, whether that threat is real or not. Yeah, that group mentality is very difficult to break because, as you say, uh, once you've got a, a group of people around you who feel just as strongly as you do about this really fascinating idea or, or set of ideas or this worldview that you share, you've got your own echo chamber automatically, whether you know it or not. And once you, you are stuck in that and you've been convinced to remain in that, you are not going to hear alternative views or dissenting voices. All you'll ever hear is reinforcement and, and all the, the propaganda that goes with it. And that's, of course, extremely unhealthy, except when you're in, locked into that mentality, you think it's very healthy because you've, you've finally found the truth. So now you're only ever listening to the truth. And that brings me to the, the last topic I want to touch on, which is the, the whole concept of conspiracy theories, and particularly, of course, the most topical one, which is the QAnon conspiracy theory. Oh, and boy. their slogan, where we go, one, we go all, is just, it's brilliant. It, it is, I, I've got to say, that is a superb slogan. It's, you could not hope for a better, more cultish slogan for an internet cult, which is what they basically are now. Oh yeah, it's it's succinct. It's got the element of sort of solidarity. It's got a hint of purpose. Uh, there's a bit of triumphalism in there. It it's just glorious. I don't know who coined it, but it is really great marketing. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just fantastic. Yeah, the 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 fascinating thing about QAnon is how it came about. Uh, I, I, I theorize, because nobody truly knows, nobody truly, truly knows, but, but there are some things that we have learned over time that is pretty distressing. I mean, nobody knows like where exactly it started. Uh, more than likely, it started like many things do as a 4chan prank. Um, 
you know, the, somebody just gets this random idea, they share it on a, on a board and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, no, this is a really good idea. Let's do this. We do know that the dispatches from Q, a huge chunk of them that were done over the past year were dispatched through a very specific image board. And that image board is a very troublesome image board. It's gone now, but it actually was the image board that the, uh, the Christchurch shooter uh, posted his rampage on. And that these dispatches were being put out by people who don't talk to each other. There, there's multiple people, multiple sources that these are coming from. They don't intercommunicate. And that dispatches will oftentimes um, completely counteract what the other one is saying. But it doesn't matter because it's all part of the plan. Trust the plan. It's all part of Q's brilliance. Trust in Q. It doesn't matter. The real brilliance behind the QAnon movement is that it, their Q itself doesn't even really matter. The adherence to it managed to keep it alive. If for some reason Q or the, I don't know, what, 5, 10, 20 people posting as Q just disappeared today, somebody would randomly just start posting. And they would just keep going. There's another aspect to the whole Q business, which I find interesting, and, and that is the followers' response to failed predictions and promises. Now, in the past, there's been plenty of cults or, or religious movements that we can look at where predictions were made or prophecies were issued, and there was a massive collapse when those prophecies or, or predictions did not come to pass. The Millerites are, are one of the famous, most famous examples. Um, oh, yeah. So Miller predicted the return of Christ and everyone got ready for it to the extent some people sold houses and belongings, and that kind of thing, and all waited for it and it, and it didn't happen. And the, the entire church collapsed and a tiny remnant went on and, and formed the seventh day Adventists. But with Q, we have seen failed prediction after failed prediction after failed promise after failed promise. And yet still, although I've no doubt there's been a falling away to some extent, mm. there is still a very powerful core of followers. And that core is actually surprisingly large considering the number of failures Q has had. I mean, one of Q's first predictions was that Hillary Clinton would be arrested in October and a day was given and a date was given. And I think even a time, like a, a time frame was given sometime I think it was in a time. In, I think there's a time yeah. too, yeah. And you could not get more specific than that. Noah could come back later and say, well, Q was had to be deliberately vague about that. And that's why blah, blah, blah. Q was absolutely specific and yet it didn't happen. And then the other stuff didn't happen. Then the other arrests and the, and he later then said that she'd been detained, but not yet arrested. And then he just had to just quietly abandon that narrative and quickly move on to new things. Now the, now Q or the Q team has been very good at quickly distracting their audience with new ideas and new promises and new revelations to try and memory hold this, this failed stuff as fast as possible. But the failed stuff is still out there. You can look at the, the list of Q um, posts. They're archived on, online in a few places. And you can go all the way back to the start and see these many, many failed predictions and promises. How do you think the Q followers rationalize those? 
Oh, that's pretty easy. Uh, it's it's there's a there's a couple of different ways that they could rationalize it. Um, I because I I do follow a couple of Q people just to keep an eye on them. Um, the the easiest way is for them to say, well, the, he is fighting the deep state, and like that was just, that was what he was under the informed opinion was going to happen, but the deep state pushed back, and so they fought against it. Um, basically, kind of has to rely on somebody believing that Q is is more an informed insider and less like maybe somebody who has temporal knowledge, like advanced, you know, futuristic temporal knowledge. Um, the other one <clears throat> is to say that uh, the deep state is in such control of our media, such control of uh, the internet and the dissemination of, of information that Hillary was actually arrested but we never heard about it because of, you know, I it's, and it, it, again, it comes down to like the self-fulfilling prophecy. The, the craziest part about it is, is that of all of the weird conspiracies that people could be this fervent about and, and like twist their own heads uh, inside out just to make it work. Why pick Q? Why Q? Why not like aliens? That'd be interesting. I mean, watch a David Wilcox video. That's 10 times more interesting than, than Q. Like, that'd be great. But no, it's got to be, gotta be this, this absolutely infuriating garbage political crap. Yeah, I guess I find it particularly fascinating because there's always some extra excuse that's trotted out either by Q or by Q's followers. Oh, can't do it before the midterms. That's that's bad optics. Or can't do it after the midterms. Now um, have to wait till till next year and get some more judges appointed. Oh, can't do it this year. We're waiting for the election. Oh, now we're just before the election. Can't do it just before the election. That's bad optics too. We've got to wait till after the election when Trump has a chance to to purge the last of these activist judges and and put in uh, you know a new Supreme Court justice. And then after the election, it'll be another thing and then another thing and another thing. There's always some excuse and the excuses invariably contradict each other, but no one seems to care. Um, That's if they even notice, which I find quite, quite fascinating. So there's, there's this, uh, there's this one thing that I always like to point out. Anytime I'm dealing with somebody who's like hardcore in a queue and uh, you know, they, they, they start following the most popular narrative these days, which is Q is helping Donald Trump free all of the children from the pedophile sex cult. Okay, fascinating. That's an interesting thing to think about and to say. But then can you answer me why exactly it was that for over a year, all the cute dispatches came from the one Chen board renowned for being filled with child pornography? Why is that? Why is it that Q has the ability to influence all of these politics, yet he's only able to disseminate his, his words through a... A, a pedo image board. Why, why, why can he answer me that? Very curious. And of course, Q shot himself in the foot because at, early on in the piece, he said, this is the only place. This is the only place you can trust to get my messages. No outside comms. And he was convinced that 4chan was going to be a good, solid place to stay. And then when 4chan went down, they had no idea what to do. And now, of course, they've got a new home in uh, Aitkun. But 
that was just hastily cobbled together as a desperate attempt to, to keep the dream alive. And all of a sudden, no, no outside comms has been quietly memory hold as well, yep. because it's just yep. such an, an awkward fact um, to go back and realize, oh, Q's completely contradicted himself. Now it doesn't seem to matter where we're getting Q from, because, you know, the rules don't apply anymore. And I can understand why Q wanted to say that in the first place to make sure he could control the narrative and, sure. and dissuade other sure. people from, uh, you know, listening to Q pretenders. And there's a few of those out there, but when that all fell apart, well, it just made a mockery of the entire business. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm under, I'm under the absolute belief that at this point, there there is no actual real Q anymore. Uh and if if the person who first started Q or the team that originally started Q and was was operating underneath it, you cannot determine theirs from the fakers. You just can't. You can't determine it. So in in that regard, why why bother? Like it just it just it, mm, none of it makes any sense anymore. Um but the thing is I uh, much like when you're dealing with any kind of pseudoscientist cult or, you know, a conspiracy minded cult or whatever. Uh, when you start putting this kind of evidence forward, uh, they always have, they always have some way to like bounce away from it or to, to dodge having to think about it. You know, it's frustrating. To wrap up then, what is some advice that you would give to someone who is considering or investigating what could be a, a scam or pseudoscience or fake medicine or some sort of conspiracy theory, what tools or resources would you recommend to them to help them to determine whether or not there's any validity to what they're seeing and hearing and reading? Okay. Um, so it's, it's actually a little bit more complicated uh, than, than I can give a super easy answer for, but I can, I can kind of broadly determine a few things. Um, say you want to look up uh, black salve, right? When you go to Google it, go black salve skeptic and go read, see if anybody has uh, written an article. And if they have written an article, then look at their citations, see what their citations say. Uh, see if they break down how uh, something will physiologically work. Uh, look into where, where they have built their methodology look into how people will cite their studies and start getting like kind of a basic fundamental framework of how to build your own skepticism for, for understanding information. That's a really good place to start. It's a really, really good place to start, but that's not where it ends. The, the problems are, is that sometimes studies are bad. There are a lot of bad studies out there. So then you have to start understanding what a journal impact factor is to, to see if what you're reading is in a journal that has been vetted for being a good source of, of scientific information. And if you really want to go further, you're going to have to start learning how to analyze data sets yourself. I always encourage people to watch every Miles Power video ever made. Miles Power is, is the single greatest uh, skeptic scientist YouTuber on the planet. And I, I owe my entire being on YouTube to him because he inspired me. Uh, Miles is a chemist and through watching how he disseminated information and would analyze studies helped me understand how to do it myself. And uh, that's a really good resource to tap into as well. And if you have the chance to, 
uh, improve your mind, go back to school or get a, get a, get a book and, and read and, uh, you know, just, uh, improve yourself. And by, by that nature, you'll improve your ability to, uh, to accurately interpret data. Miles Power is definitely someone I've always admired for his ability to break down reasonably complex ideas into digestible chunks that the average person can understand. He's got a really great communication style. He's very conversational. He's um, and he he just knows his stuff inside out. He's just got such an encyclopedic command of his subject every time. So yes, I, I follow him on, on YouTube and I would definitely recommend uh, that if people want a, an excellent source of critical thinking and debunking and just information on very specific topics, definitely check out Miles Power. He's, he's an absolute legend. Finally then, Jeff, um, if people want to follow your work, where can they find you online? I just search for Jeff Holiday. I'm usually the first uh first first thing that'll pop up. Um youtube.com slash Jeff Holiday, twitch.tv slash real Jeff Holiday, and I think that's what my Facebook is too, and my Instagram. Yeah. You'll find me. That's really cool. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure. Been my pleasure as well. Yes.